following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. At FBC, we have the most amazing singles ministry. It's called Dulas. And they are unbelievable. They actually carry our first hour children's ministry. They're out there doing incredible things. They serve the Lord with joy. They actually practice the absolute job description of a single, which is to have undistracted devotion to Christ. They do it really well. Occasionally, over the course of a lot of years of ministry, a single has come to me and said, well, I'm content, I'm happy but I kind of think that I'm intended for marriage, and I'm wondering why the Lord is taking so long. Have you ever had that question? Maybe you asked that question. Why is the Lord taking so long? Providing that, you know, specially chosen spouse. And you kind of pray, and you walk it through, and you search the scriptures, and, and ultimately, there's a lot of things you can say, but one of the things you're going to say is this. Why is this happening to you right now? So that the Lord would work on your heart. Amen? That's why. Married or single, so the Lord would work on your heart. And I thought, wow, what a great illustration for our church family. Why aren't we on the property? Why is it taking so long? Because the Lord wants to work on your heart and my heart. Amen? That's what he's about. That's what he's doing. That's why this is occurring. In fact, you don't want to miss the opportunity of this season. Have you ever had one of those family conferences? Did you ever grow up in a family where all of a sudden they go, family conference, family conference, or we got to talk about something, or we're having a dinner, and we all got to kind of work this through? Anybody? A few nods ahead. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but thank you. We know now. Okay, so at the Johnson household, there we go. So, interesting enough, this morning is family conference for FBC, to take some time to be very personal, to be somewhat individualistic, give you a little bit of history about where we've been, where we're going, and what we're about, why we're healthy. You know, if you're new with this, this is a great opportunity for you to learn about our church. If you're not, it's important for us to be reminded about where we've been, where we're going, what we value, what keeps us healthy. It's so essential that we would understand not just, you know, the nature of the church itself and ecclesiology, but that we would understand how God has made us as a church and what we're committed to and what we're trying to accomplish. It's very important to go through those things. Interesting enough, I love the local church. I've always loved the local church, kind of in a maniacal way. And it's not just because Jesus calls the church his bride, Obviously, when you call someone your bride, that's the apple of your eye. That's your, the center of your affections. But it's also because he gives all these great analogies of what the church is. And one of the ones that I enjoy that we kind of glance over is that we're the body of Christ. And, and actually, in a simple way, it actually means that you and I are actually the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ on this planet until he comes again. Christ is physically manifested through you. As we give ourselves to the Word of God, we see His will being lived out in our midst, and we're impacting each other to be more like Christ as we follow His will and His Word. As we seek to be one heart, one mind, Jesus remember prayed that we would be one as He and the Father are one. Are you, remember that? He prays that. He prays for oneness in marriage. He's basically saying as we function with one heart, one mind, as we love one another, as we overlook things that maybe are, you know, sometimes many offenses and whatever, and we just love covering a multitude of sins, we get along with one another, then we're actually putting Christ on display. We're showing him. And, and no one person in this room can put all of Christ on display, but the body of Christ can get closer to that. Would you agree? As all the gifts are being manifested. And as we minister our gifts, then we see the different persons of the Godhead, you know, and yet one God, yet three persons. We see a multiplicity of persons and yet one body. And therefore, we're seeing Jesus Christ in a unique way. And what today is all about is not just to encourage you and to inform new people about what we're all about, but it also to call you to accountability. To, no matter what the size of the church 
the actual, like a team, we're only as good as our players, right? One player can kind of hurt a team. And if you've come to us wounded or wiped out, we want to protect you from immediate involvement. We want to allow your wounds to heal. We do have people that come to us wiped out and wounded. And therefore, we say, please, just be here for six months. Just sit under the word. Just be loved by God's people so that your heart is mended. But we are on a mission. And the mission is to get you healthy, get you out of the hospital bed, and back on the playing field. That's something that we are passionate about. But if you know Christ, then the challenge today is to get in the game and, and maybe try to be a better player. Try to be even more influential, more helpful to the total team and ultimately to God's glory, if you know Him. Because when Christ is your first love, then you're going to want to see Him be manifested. You're going to want to see people who don't know Him come to Him in salvation. You're going to see those who do know Him become more like Him in sanctification. When he's your first love, you're going to want everyone to be all about Jesus Christ. When he's your first love. When, when he's your mission, you're going to want to see men be trained, families sent out. You're going to want to see missionaries and church planted locally and internationally. When the word becomes our authority, you're going to want to make sure the marriage vow is sacred. The only two genders reflect God's character. Men and women happily fill out their unique roles and function that way. Men lead their homes. Discipleship becomes everybody's responsibility. In fact, holiness becomes more important than happiness, that we would do what pleases Him. And it's really a measure of your maturity and evidence of your salvation. And you need to understand that as a church, we're committed to His purposes being filled out in our midst no matter what. No matter what the government or anybody else throws at it, you say, why are you picking on the government? I submit to my government, I honor my government, but I also know that any time there's been persecution in the history of the church, it has come through the government. And we are fast moving toward a totalitarian government. We are fast moving to a government that's destroyed everything that we value, the roles between men and women, uh, moral purity, uh, education, law enforcement, everything is being oppressed and torn to shreds. And we need to be ready. And that's part of our job is to call you to be ready, to function in a way that you will be ready, and that means function in community. You cannot be the solo saint in this kind of environment. You need to be prepared. And having a church, though, that is actually going to function the way God commands is not going to be an easy task. Having a biblical church today is incredibly hard to cultivate, let alone maintain. Consider there's some scary rope bridges that we got to cross, all right, to have a biblical church. First, the secular cultural bridge of independence and isolation. We have a very independent culture. We have a very isolated culture that when that makes its way into the church, it doesn't function well. It doesn't actually function the way God designs. You add in rabid materialism and kind of a microwave kind of view of life, then everything is what you want and everything is right now. Then there's a Christian cultural bridge. There are weaknesses in the Christian church where they have focused on one thing and ignored everything else. So they'll say things that really kind of trigger our hearts, family first. Sounds really good, except when you realize that, that there are a few commands that are toward the family, but there's a whole lot of other commands toward the world, a whole lot of other commands toward the church, that we need to be Jesus first, doing all the commands of Scripture, not just the ones directed at the family. Can I hear an amen to that? That's tough to talk about. You weren't all that enthusiastic. But interesting enough, that's all the teaching of Scripture, not just a little part of it. And that's our culture today. We have the church cultural bridge of spectator Christianity where you just come in and, you know, in time to hear the sermon and basically that's the only Bible you get all week and, and you're really never interconnected to anybody and that's part of the culture that we're fighting. Instead of then having a normal biblical church, most churches are content to be an average church. Now, do you understand what an average church is? An average church looks at other churches and says, hey, we're doing pretty good. Now, we're doing better than these other churches. That's not bad, okay? And we got a few programs here and a few programs there, just like they do, so we're okay. That's an average church. A normal church is different. An average church seeks to make everybody happy, not holy. Uh, an average church seeks to entertain and barely equips you. An average church does what's popular, but not what's purposeful. 
In fact, we have churches today that are now megachurches. You could actually pastor a megachurch. There's a formula. Let me give it to you. Just work really hard each week to get everybody jacked up emotionally as possible. Everybody wilder than, you know, bouncing off the ceilings. Don't expect attenders to interact, interconnect, or become interrelated in any way. Talk humorously and incessantly about sex, about family, about sex, about parents, about sex. And then, always sprinkled with a few Bible verses, and then make sure that people once a year pledge their giving. Make certain you're as entertaining as possible. Don't talk too much about sin or theology or hell. This creates an average fun church, a church in name only. But if you want a normal church, one that you find in the New Testament, you're going to preach the word, the whole counsel of God, not caring if it tickles the ears or boxes them. You're going to call believers to serve in the church, interconnect with each other, and give sacrificially. You're going to preach the gospel proclaiming that everyone in this room is a vile sinner in desperately need of a Savior, that we're defiant against God. You're going to expect believers to love Christ first and live filled with the Spirit. And our passion and priority as a church is to be a normal church, a biblical church, just a simple church that proclaims the gospel, that preaches the word, that praises Christ. Eventually, you'll tire of our verse-by-verse teaching unless you have been given a heart that desires it. Eventually, you'll weary from fellowship events unless you're truly a brother or sister in Christ, one with one another. And eventually, you'll fade from the church unless you're passionate, fleeing sin, pursuing righteousness, serving Christ with your giftedness, sharing the gospel of the lost, praising Christ as your first love, making disciples of all believers. Honestly, this is how it works at FBC. This is the pattern that we have seen. What are you talking about, Chris? What happens at FBC is this. If you don't mean business for, with Christ... At FBC, eventually, you will do one of two things. You'll either drift away or you'll find that Christ is your great and true satisfaction. It's one of those two. You'll drift away or you'll find Christ as your satisfaction. That's what happens. To be transparent, I'm being very honest with you, this is a personal message. This is a family talk. Uh, We're imperfect in our efforts. Have you noticed if you had been a first hour, you would have seen an imperfect video, too. It was awful. <laughs> now, it was actually a great video, but just the, you know, the machinery couldn't handle it. Um, we're flawed in our execution. We're faulty in our ministry. We battle with sin until heaven. There are times, honestly, I feel some of our elders, sometimes pastors, feel like a big, fat failure. Anybody with me on that? I know our pastoral team wants... One thing more than anything else. Do you know what that is? We want what Christ wants. More than anything, and we're willing to pay any price to pursue it, even as flawed and perfect people. But the price, the cost, the difficulty is greater than it's ever been. We have a sick culture that is making its way into the lives of believers. Our world no longer believes in absolute truth. Our world doesn't believe in a right and a wrong, a good and an evil, Uh, doesn't believe in honoring God or dishonoring God. Our culture doesn't believe in two genders, marriage fidelity and moral purity. Our society proclaims truth-telling as hate speech and anti-God, aberrant behavior is normal, acceptable, preferred, and now inserted into every Disney movie made. They are gunning for us, friends, and it's not going to get better. So are you ready? Are you ready to stand? on God's word? Are you ready to stand with God's people regardless of the cost? With all this pressing against FBC, you may forget why we're here and what we're doing. You may be here just to hide from an oppressive world. I do. And though we are to be a haven for the oppressed, I mean, what we're supposed to be, are you ready for this? A oasis of truth in the midst of a desert of lies. We're supposed to be that place of refreshment A place of love in the midst of an indifferent planet. And yet we're also on a mission. A mission from our master. A mission to impact this dark world with the light of the gospel. Through the teaching of the word, proclaiming the good news, training leaders, sending missionaries, planting churches. Now some of you may be confused. You've been here with us at the WAC. uh, Whatever, oh the PAC. Oh not the WAC, that's right. Um... Some of you may be confused because FBC is kind of sweetly weird. We have been a set-up takedown church since day one. Day one. We have met in schools, stadiums, packs, 
anywhere we can, regardless of pandemics, masks, distances, and all other government intrusions. We have met for almost 13 years at Bella Vista Middle School. Remember that? Who was there? Anybody? There you go. A lot of people were there. I was assured when I was at Bella Vista, I asked this every single year. We'll never get kicked out of the school, they said. Those assurances were erroneous. Regardless, we hunted for years to buy an existing building with enough parking, but never found one, even though we actually had the best commercial real estate man as one of our deacons. We finally bought a piece of property, paid it off in three years, moved forward with a plan to build. We had to change architects and finally got the simple building we wanted to allow us to have a base of operations in this community without being jerked around by school and government and all that kind of stuff. It is a non-traditional, multi-use, maximum bulk, minimum price facility. There will be no office, my office, with the little mini fridge and the oak desk and the oak bookshelves. When you walk in, you go, wow, what a scholar. There'll be none of that. It's going to be an office that we use for counseling. It'll be nice. It'll look nice, but it won't be for my use. It won't be for the past. It'll be for everybody's use. It's a multi-use facility. We're trying to get maximum use out of what we put together. Maximum. Understand, hopefully it will be something that will allow us to pursue the ministries we believe that the Lord wants us to pursue without school limitations or government overreach. We don't think that building a facility is a success or makes us a success, and we're not building a facility to be a success in the world's eyes, far from it. We don't think that way. Maybe it means that way to you, but to us it means freedom for more ministry, for Christ, to do what he commands us to do as a church, and a tent and then a new building is a stewardship but we need it, friends. I mean, right now, right now as you're sitting here in this room, are, you are aware that our entire children's ministry and our student ministry are out on the patio with heat. The, the, the surface of the sun is out there, okay? So they're going through that. We, we have 40 men this year going in the training center in a room that is really built for 20 around desks. We hold women's studies and men of the word at other churches, New Testament survey at other churches, weddings take place at other venues. Uh, our college, our high school, our junior high, when you add up all the staff and other people who come are about 100 each. They're in neighborhoods with nervous neighbors, okay, around that particular meeting. Honestly, I have no problem. It never bothers me. It's actually internally, though it's a time of sorrow, it's a time of joy in my own heart to officiate your spouse's funeral. But honestly, I have to tell you, and I'm just being transparent, the stress of trying to find a place for a funeral almost kills me. And so you'll have two funerals, all right? Mine and theirs. <laughs> I don't like the words hero or superhero. I don't like it because it's misused now. It used to be reserved for people who are definitely heroic. But I have to tell you, the setup team of our church with the fans, four trailers, and whatever, I was here at 7.30. This place was all ready to go. They set up now for, if you count kids and youth, over 1,000 people every week. Now that's heroic right? It's true. In the future, I mean, we're, we're not, we don't want to stop. We, we really are planning and praying about helping parents with education. We don't know what that means. We're starting a physically challenged ministry. We want older single ministry. We want widows possibly and outreach to children, music for children. We are strapped right now with massive facility limits. During the last 17 years, we continued to grow numerically. <clears throat> we trained laymen for ministry. We love that. We planted one church thus far. We established some strong missionary relationships. Uh, we founded a master seminary extension here at our church. We went from one service in the morning to two and then began an evening service, which we will go back to. We sought to continue to meet during the pandemic. Sometimes, literally, we had six services on a weekend just to worship Christ together. No matter what, we love our Lord and Savior. We will meet on a dirt field, if that's what it takes, in which to honor Him. We'll meet in secret, if that's what it takes, to honor Him and worship Him. We will always take our Lord seriously. We'll not take ourselves seriously. We think that it, what, really, what our church is all about is Him. But maybe, like me, on vacation, I'm sitting there going, Lord, why are you delaying? 
Why, why are we going through this season? What's going on? Why am I going to the property and making dirt angels? Why, why is this happening? <clears throat> well, let me help you. Let me give you some points just to kind of set perspective and have our family talk, hopefully be grounded in some truth here. Number one, God's delays are purposeful. God's delays are purposeful. God's work is not about a building. God's work is is not about building facilities. It's building people. People. God brings himself glory when each of you either come to Christ or become like Christ. And God wants his people not merely obedient, but obedient from the heart. So with great confidence, let me tell you what he's up to. I mean, all those costs and the building process and the delays and the gas delay. and blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm waiting for a time where I got this wonderful pulpit so I don't have to wear, I, you, you, people think, oh, you don't mind. Oh, I mind. Okay. I just don't let it bother me, but I mind this pulpit. If, you, if it bothers you, it's nothing compared to me. Okay. It, it's flimsy. It's, it's everything that a pulpit shouldn't be. Uh, it's terrible. Why do I walk around? Because I don't like the pulpit. Uh, I've got one now that it's rock solid, it's made of iron, it's been welded together, it's, it's awesome, but no place to use it. Uh, so, the Lord is not delaying the building of a facility, He is right now building you. He's encouraging each of you, individually and corporately, and because sometimes we say, well, I trust Him, I trust His timing, that's great, I'm, I, you should, and you need to, but don't miss the message, if this is your church family, this is now His time trying to speak to you to become the man or the woman that he wants you to be, to, to, to ramp it up again, to pursue him with all your heart. What is it that the Spirit of God is bringing to mind in your heart right now that you say, I need to grow in this area? I need to become more of what you want me to be. It could be that you're not praying enough. It could be that you're not dealing with besetting sin, or you're not sharing Christ, or you're not studying the Word, or you're not giving, or you're not serving outside of convenience, or... Maybe you're not intentionally pursuing Christ-like character. There is no doubt. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. The reason, one of the reasons, not the whole reason, is that he wants to work on you and me and all of us together. From elder to baby Christian to almost Christian to every one of you, how are you going to become more complete in Christ this year than you were last year? How are you going to fill out the Great Commission's challenge to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you? Where are we falling short? Where are you falling short? Let me give you some ideas to maybe stimulate your thinking. That's all I want to do, stimulate your thinking. So here they are. Ready? First, group. Some steps you can take. Uh, Group. Belonging to a group of Christians. You know, in Acts 2.42, it said they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to... Anybody know? Fellowship. Fellowship. It's what we do. Fellowship is actually sharing what we have in common. And because we're dwelt with the Spirit of God, we have a new nature, we're sharing Christ in us as we talk to each other, as we express joy to each other, as we love each other, as we interact, as we bear burdens with one another, as we talk about how we're struggling with our kids, all that. That's fellowship. And Christ shows through you in relationship. That's fellowship. And they were devoted to that. That means steadfast, strong, committed to it. Fellowship is not red punch and stale cookies. Fellowship is not even a healthy Panda Express lunch. There's confusion over this. We don't provide lunches to attract people to our church. That has never been in our thinking at all. We provide lunches so that you will fellowship because the early church worked at it and God does great things as God's people interact with one another. Those lunches are costly, but fellowship is a priority. Relationally, remember, imitating the the triune God himself in an eternal relationship, we are in relationship with one another, is so vital. The early church worshipped together as a large group of thousands of people, and then midweek they met house to house, so do we. So beyond fellowship is family, and that's where our community groups and ministry come in play. We want to make sure that you're there for discipleship and prayer and family and issues and outreach and love and care for each other in crisis. That's where it takes place. House to house. Listen, the early church when they met, thousands and yet house to house. 
FBC is committed to that regardless of whether we get on property or not. And when we get on property, we're still committed to midweek gatherings, house to house. It's part of the priority. We didn't do it because we had no choice. We did it because we believe that it is a New Testament priority, that you would have a group that you belong to. Listen, it's important. If you're one of those people who is resistant because relationships are messy or you've got all the excuses lined up, basically all you're doing is you're hindering your own growth in Christ. You really are. You belong in the church of Jesus Christ to one another as well as to Christ. And that means interaction and relationship. Number two, secondly, giving. Our attendance almost doubled with COVID, but not our giving. And we stopped taking offerings because COVID made it impossible. And it's really difficult now. You know, if we pass a tray along these rows right here, it takes two weeks for them to get to the other side. So we decided not to do that. So most people do give online, which we're grateful for. Uh, And we do have boxes around the uh, patio that that are uniquely given to giving and, and participate. But just because we don't take an offering doesn't mean that you're not supposed to give an offering. Most give online, and we have those boxes, but because we don't talk about it, uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to thrive without it. There are many who are not faithful in giving. Many. And yet, what does the Bible say? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. tells you, on the first day of the week, now what's the next three words or four words? What is it? Each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. Give out of your abundance, give a percentage as you may prosper to what God gives you. And therefore, the national average of conservative churches is $17 a week. Those who give 10% or about 10% of the congregation. And Christians give, on average, in our nation right now, 2.5%. That's on average. These are born-again Christians, not Christians in name only. You are a part of a church, though, that basically functions below its budget. We want all our funds to count for Christ's purposes, all of it to make an eternal difference. Uh, You have a pastoral staff, honestly, who would work for free if they could. And lest you forget, your giving exposes your heart and proves your maturity. What's he say in Matthew 6, 21? Look at it. For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart is also. Where's your heart? Are you... Are you mature in your giving? J.C. Penney, uh, the guy that started the store now that almost is non-existent, but he was the founder, and he began his business with a commitment to give 90% of his profits to the Lord's work. And the Lord caused his, his business to flourish. In a legalistic, unbiblical environment, we'd be pressing you to give 10%, 10% of your income. In a grace-saturated environment, What's your life goal in giving? I know someone who is fast approaching and pursuing 25%. Why? Because they believe this world is temporary and heaven is permanent. The great news for the church of Jesus Christ is that God has provided all the funds we need for his purposes, right? Amen? All the funds. The bad news is all that money's in your pocket. There you go. What are you going to do with the money that he's given you that makes a difference for eternity? That's the question. You just have to ask yourself. Thirdly, gift. You're never going to be a mature Christian until you figure out how you're gifted. The Spirit gifted you so that you might show off Jesus Christ. That's the way that you do that in a unique way. And usually it's manifested with your passion. So if you're passionate about doctrine, you probably have the gift of knowledge. If you're passionate about compassion, you might have the gift of mercy. If you're passionate about helping somebody, you might have service and helps. If you're passionate about helping people understand the word, maybe you're a teacher or a preacher, those kind of things. But basically, discovering your giftedness doesn't make it easier. It just makes it more of a joy and sometimes even an addiction. It really does. Others are blessed. You find purpose. You learn your place on the team. Christ himself is uniquely seen through you, enjoyed and focused on. And in this church, and only though, when every single person functions the way that God designed. I was raised in an environment where everyone was expected to know their giftedness and function in ministry. That was my upbringing. And it wasn't a real hard sell for me because I read my Bible and I went, yep, everybody's gifted. Everybody should be manifesting their giftedness. It's just now been so long that the church has moved away from it. But it is actually what makes us put Christ on display. You find it by serving. 
You find it while you're serving, asking people, what do you, how do you think I'm gifted? How do you see Christ through me? But make a commitment. Find your place. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You're a piece of the puzzle. The puzzle shows off Jesus Christ and his person that we're showing the world. When you fit in your place, you display him. And that's what we do together. Read these, these verses, these two verses. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Look at it silently as I read it out loud. As each, what? One, that's you, has received a special giftedness. Employ it in serving one another. That's what you're supposed to do with it. As a steward, you were given this. Be a steward of it, of the manifold, many-colored grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in how many things? All things God is glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. It's not about you. It's about Christ, but this is your way to put him on display. Number four, the gospel. We are to put Christ on display, and then we are to proclaim the message which explains what he's done, what he accomplished. Why is it good news? Because there's really bad news. And the bad news is you and I are so sinful, there's nothing we can do, earn, deserve, work for, or achieve for our salvation. We are doomed. We are hopeless and we are helpless. The Bible declares very clearly that there is nothing that can stop God from condemning us to hell forever except for God himself. Nothing will stop God from condemning us forever except for God himself. And the good news is God provided a way. The only way. Christ took the punishment we deserve for our sin upon himself on the cross when we surrender our lives to him by faith, when we turn from our sin in repentance, our sin will fall on Christ, his righteousness will cover us, and we can now be freed from eternal torment and condemnation, and now in this life, freed from the power of sin. You and I are saved, and we're saved, not because we are good, but because what? God is good. We're beggars who found bread, and now we're sharing with other beggars who haven't found bread. The Great Commission basically says, as you're going through life, share. And Colossians 4 says, be wise about it. Look what it says, Colossians 4, verse 5. Conduct yourselves with what? Wisdom towards outsiders, non-Christians, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech to them always be with grace, as though it were seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. You and I need to be more outward, more bold in sharing the gospel. This season is for us to learn how with people at the church, people in our neighborhood, people at our workplace, people at our school, regardless. And then fifthly, growing intimate. Growing intimate. Have you allowed the basic demands of life to keep you from the basic disciplines of the Christian life? Are you praying? Are you reading the Word? Are you fellowshipping with brothers and sisters? Are you willing to stop anything that's consuming you or distracting you? Listen, we, in our culture, our biggest danger is our leisure our free time. And really what God calls us to is to be busy with the things of the Lord, seeking to be filled with the Spirit, seeking to serve others. Listen, maybe you've never understood this, but you will never have a walk with Christ that is full unless you've learned how to die to self and serve others. The moment you give yourself away, the moment your focus is on others, God fills you. It's the whole hose and bucket thing. It's not about filling my bucket with the water. It's about hosing everybody and getting blessed as a result. That's what God has called us to. So are you growing intimate in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Number two, nothing will stop the FBC leadership from God's mission. It doesn't matter if we have a building or not. It doesn't matter if that all shuts down and blows up on our face. It doesn't matter. We are still going to exalt the Lord, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. Amen? That's what we're going to do. No matter what, we're going to train every layman, every laywoman who desires to be trained as far as they desire, can be and will be trained. Uh, we are not waiting to plant a church. We are only right now investing into men who said, I want to be a part of church planting. We're investing into them. When they are ready, we'll plant a church, regardless if it fits the timing of going on property or not. We're not waiting. We're not waiting to send missionaries. 
We have two men that have declared themselves. I'm going on the mission field. Jesse Boganegra, Terrell Medina are going on the mission field. We are investing into them heavily so that they're ready to go to make an impact to establish churches in other places that don't know the gospel. And there are other men in our midst in that midst. You need to understand the character and the quality of these men. You know about Terrell. He just went to Guinea-Bissau with really what I would consider the Hudson Taylor of our day, a guy named Monty Brewer. I know him from a long time. He goes to all those places that nobody goes to, puts his life in danger, trains men, encourages pastors. He brought Terrell with him to Guinea-Bissau. This is the note that he sent back about that event. Just a short note of appreciation for your connecting me with Terrell Medina. He is the most mature 22-year-old American young man I have ever been around. Imagine he was not only willing but standing in line to board a plane knowing that 90 minutes earlier I had been refused a boarding pass. I was not going to be flying with him to JFK, to Loam, to Togo, to Takar, to Senegal, then to Basai and guinea Basai. Not exactly a route that many Americans are familiar with. He is an excellent traveler. He never complains. He was always quick to help me with my poor vision. He is a quick learner. He jumped in quickly to help facilitate our sessions on the book of Acts. He even was asked to preach for an hour in a Basai church. His only time to prepare is while walking to the front of the church service. And he did a marvelous job. He says this, Terrell is welcome to travel with me anytime. If he is sent by Faith Bible Church to an overseas assignment, I will personally support him financially. I believe in Terrell and welcome any opportunity to mentor him and encourage him. You are blessed to have him a part of your staff. Take good care of him. Amen? We're not waiting to train leaders to fill this pulpit, they're already trained. They're already ready to go. We've got a transition plan. If I get too old or I'm going to heaven, you're going to love it. You're going to like it better. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I go away now and people go, man, you shouldn't go away. We like these guys better than you. I'm like, perfect. I'm excited about that. Aren't you thankful for the deep bench we have? Amen. Oh, my goodness. It feels like murder's a row of the Yankees. Remember that? <laughs> Babe Ruth Shaler. Lou Gehrig Farrell. I mean, it, it goes on. We use the training mentor to train laymen so that laymen can discover all that God has intended for them to do and for them to give their life to that. Yet a side, a side thing that happens in the training centers, we kind of discover those who should go to seminary. And now we have a master seminary extension. Remember those two difficult years where I decided that I should get a doctorate like JP and Nigel already had? Part of the reason for that terrible two years was that we might be able to get a seminary extension. Well, we have it now. And we're focusing on training men in order to influence this world for Jesus Christ. We're focusing on the next generation. Your kids are a massive passion for us. From zero all the way up, a massive passion. We want to teach them the word. We want to model for them week in, week out. We're not just teaching them. We're modeling a life worth following through our incredible student and college and doula staff. Our passion is to invest so that our church is stronger in years to come and not weaker. In fact, what does this mean? What do they do? Well, Ephesians 4.11, it says, He gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints so that you would be built up, you would be strong. It's like mend a net, equip an army. That's what equipping means. It means to make you strong, invincible, so that you will do the work of ministry. That's what it's designed to do. Leaders equip. You do the work of ministry. We're not waiting for a building. We are building you. Building you. You're the eternal building. And we need you to step up and to be all that God wants you to be. There, there's much more than just like maintaining our ministry. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or what? Think. So more than we can even imagine is supposed to bring him glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. We are a church focused on Christ first. You know, you stress yourself at the gym, you labor at your job, you work hard to get those grades or graduate early, you run drills as your team, you're aggressive and you run hard at the priorities that you deem as important. Is not Christ more important than all those things? Are you willing to sacrifice for him, put out for him, stretch, stretch?
push yourself for him. You, you can be out another night a week. You, you can give a little more. You can handle a little more time. You can attend two hours on a Sunday. Not going to kill you. You got three to choose from. You can do it for Christ, for his glory. You can ask the Lord to give you more time and step into a commitment and see what he does. You can ask the Lord to help your finances and give more and watch what he does. It's time for you to challenge your walk with Christ. We can't just maintain. We're not here just to survive. We're here to exalt Jesus Christ and lift him up. And it may be that you're interested in the men, women events that we use for outreach. Maybe you're, you want to be a part of a CG and, and you're being discipled there. We'll get to the point where you can disciple someone else. Get to that point. Uh, discipleship is really not done until you disciple someone else. Man to man, woman to woman, couple to couple, family to family. Men of the word, uh, women and those in-depth classes, the refinery for both men and women. Incredible opportunities for you to step up and grow and invest. The training center next year, Titus, two older women. This year, year one and year three, investing, seminary training, missions and pastors, etc. We want for you to be all that Christ wants you to be. And we design it so that laymen, those who are not supported in ministry, can function as much and as far and as deeply as you possibly can. We'd encourage you to join the children's ministry, shepherd that next generation. If you learn how to teach fourth graders, you can teach anybody. <laughs> you can teach anybody. Join the children's ministry. Get your students to Wednesday night. Don't let anything stand in the way, especially them. When they come home and they go, somebody hurt me, say, great, go back and forgive. Go back and learn how to forgive or confront. If somebody says, well, I'm not in the popular clique, say, praise God, get in the fun clique, have a good time while they're looking at themselves in the mirror, you have a blast, okay? <laughs> Understand, there's never been a better, funner group of high school students. I was with them at camp, and honestly, I've never seen a group of high school students that absolutely nuts. They're absolutely out of their minds. It is so awesome. I love them. Most high school students are not that way. They're too inward. But they, these are expressive students that love life and love the Lord and love each other. And it's an amazing thing. The darker things get, the brighter the gospel light's going to shine. Together with your student, develop a, a plan to reach out to their students, their friends, to come to Christ. This is our time to grow deep and to be influential. Number three, God's plan for FBC is not groundbreaking, but his glory. It's not groundbreaking, his, it's his glory. Simply stated, Christ wants your heart to be passionate. Is he your first love? Christ wants you to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. It is his will for you to make disciples. It is his will that you would be a part of the process of sharing gospel. You don't save anybody, but you're part of proclaiming the gospel. Christ wants you to grow more intimate with him. Be honest. As you look at your life, would you ask these questions? Who have you impacted for Christ? Have you become the servant of all yet? Have you learned your giftedness? Are you serving in that way? Are you a steward of your money? Are you generous and faithful with your giving? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Look what it said even of David. King David, an incredible figure in the Old Testament. Acts 13, 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his what? His own generation, he fell asleep and went home. That's what's supposed to be on your funeral. You know, your, what do they call it? What? Your epitaph. Your tombstone, thank you. Just went blank. <laughs> Old age. I want that on my tombstone. I filled my purpose in my generation and I went home. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. The property, the tent, the building does not make us healthy. Our dependence upon the Spirit of God, our obedience to the Word of God does. The tent, the building, the property does not make us healthy. What makes us healthy is the Spirit of God, the Word of God, functioning the way He designed us to function. So, 
take it home, would you? Are you ready to become family? For some of you, it's time for you to be a member. Maybe you're beat up and you've got a few more months. Wait, just, just go ahead. Be refreshed by God's word, by God's people. But if you're healthy, then take the steps. You know, get involved in a ministry. Make sure you're baptized. Listen to the five sermons and join that which is eternal. I, I, I'm nervous for you. I don't want you to be in a situation where all of a sudden you're outside of the family of God. Don't, don't be that person. Be inside. We're going to need each other in the months and years to come. More than you can imagine. And you need to be a part of a family. You do. I'm just encouraging you. It's not about us. It's about doing what's going to most honor and glorify God. Number two, do you have a heart that's obviously born again? Do you, do you give with a heart that is generous? Do you, do you have a heart that wants to obey? Romans six seventeen. you were a slave of sin, but you became obedient from the heart. Do you have that desire? Even when you fail to, do you have that desire to obey? Do you have a heart willing to do anything for Christ? Uh, no relationship compares mother, father, uh, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Nothing compares to your relationship with the Lord. You're, you're willing to to carry your cross, you're even willing to give up all your possessions, Luke 14. Do you have a heart that worships by offering your entire life? Worship isn't singing songs, even though we have the best worship leader on planet earth. It is not singing songs, it is offering your life to Christ, saying all of me is for all of you. Is Christ your perfume that you dab on, or is he the passion that wants to burst through your chest? Which one is he? little external dab, or is he actually the drive of your life? Number three, are you desirous of deepening your intimacy with Christ? Colossians 2.6, you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so what? Walk in him. Two of you said it. So we have received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him. Christian life is Christ in you and Christ through you. It is you coming to Christ in salvation, you becoming like Christ in sanctification, you being one with Christ in glorification. Salvation. No marriage, no parent, no child, no friend, no spouse will ever be as close or compare or satisfy like your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that true for you? What are you doing right now to pursue that intimacy? At FBC, you've got no excuse not to be growing deep in your relationship with Christ. Have you learned, number four, that little things don't matter when you're at war? You know what? When you're in a foxhole, does the cologne of the guy helping you fight the enemy matter? Does the fact that he should have used some deodorant matter? It doesn't matter, does it? A normal everyday life, you're going, man, you stink. You could use some of it. And you're in war, it doesn't matter. We're in a war, friends, and we, we, and we have an enemy that hates us, and he wants to destroy you, he wants to destroy this church and every true church, every single one, wants to, and he's doing a pretty good job right now. There's a lot of churches falling apart, a lot. At a traditional church, somebody talks loud, listens to some weird music, has a Christmas tree, does an Easter egg hunt, dresses poorly, and everybody freaks out. And instead of love covering a multitude of sins, they get offended. They say elders do something, the elders make a policy, lay down the law, and then everybody's offended. At FBC, we don't do it that way. At FBC, when something you see or someone offends you, we say, can you get over it? Can you just say it doesn't matter? Love covers a multitude of sins? If it doesn't, then I want to love you and shepherd you and tell you that the most important thing you can do right now is go talk to them. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Go tell them. Because relationship is everything. We're not going to make a policy. If there's behavior that's deadly to the church, we're going to address it. Otherwise, we're going to love. We're not going to be offended. The things that we battle over, though, are going to be the gospel, the word of God, the great commandment to love the Lord and love each other, the great commission to disciple till the end of the age in God's glory. That's what we're going to fight over. We're not going to fight over the little things. We're not. Little things don't matter when you're in a foxhole. Learn how to love. And number five, will you, are you willing to support our future? Our members support our church and our building through faithful sacrificial giving. 
They've done that since day one. They've supported our tent and our building with monies given above reproach since day one. Don't put your stuff away. But maybe you've come into an inheritance. Maybe you have thousands of diamonds sitting in a drawer at your home. Maybe you have secretly millions. Maybe you own 50 homes or a successful business, and you've been wondering, what do I give that can really return a massive eternal dividend without hesitation, without hesitation? I would encourage you to give generously to FBC. I would. There's no crisis here. There's no crisis, but if we're going to be influential in the future, it's, it's going to involve our giving. And today, you have the unique desire to invest specifically into our future church planners, missionaries, seminarians. Year two and three of the training center takes about $800 a semester. We don't make any money on it. We actually take a loss. But if you want to give a scholarship, you wanted to provide for someone, if you want to help our seminarians, these are guys that are not on staff, but men who are taking seminary because they're going to lead down the road of being a church planter or a pastor somewhere. Uh, their tuition is amazingly expensive. Uh, it's like $1,200 per class. And uh, we wanted to put together a scholarship fund that would help them. And if the Lord leads you to do that and you want to be a part of that, that's great. This is just over and above your regular giving. But understand today was the day for us to go, here we are. Here's where we've been. This is where we're going. This is what we stand for. Next week is Galatians, verse by verse. We're going to go through the whole book. Can't wait. Uh, in fact, I'm drooling right now. So it's, it's like, like when you think about In-N-Out Burger, that's what I think about Galatians. <laughs> Unbelievable. So be here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have the opportunity in which to honor and glorify you, to worship you, and Father, to please you. We pray, Father, that our response to these encouragements and exhortations and principles would actually change our lives. Thank you for a time for us to just talk family. And we pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified as a result. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast, and a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.